0: Hello everybody, Cohen or Om Gandhi here. Thank you everybody for joining us. Before we get started with this episode and I hand it over to Jason, I wanted to give a shout out to our brand partners at Topo Athletic. Gift the Topo difference. They've got the perfect gift for every runner, walker, hiker, and outdoor enthusiast. Whether you're on the road or the trail, whether you're a beginner or an advanced athlete, there's something for you. So be sure to go to topoathletic.com and check out what they got. Happy holidays, everybody. And now, on to the episode. One, two,
1: three, four. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining us on our Tuesday Fireside Chat. My name is Jason Bahamundi, I am one of the uh, co owners. We have a very special episode of our um, Instagram Live Fireside Chats coming to you. We're going to be talking with uh, Rach McBride and here in a moment Um, and just kind of going over the world of sport, where they see uh, sport, the future, how their sponsors are supporting them. In addition to that, some advice for beginners, things that they continue to fall back on. Um, and then, of course, we'll have our uh, what we call rapid fire, but really more uh, fun conversation um, at the end of all of this. If you have questions for either Rach or for Sandy, please hit the little question mark on the bottom side. Ask away. We'll make sure we get them in there. Oh, Gandhi, who is one of our co-owners, will be moderating this conversation for us. And, um, we'll be able to get those questions out to Rach and Sandy as we go along. So Rach and Sandy, thank you very much for joining us. We really, really appreciate this.
2: Oh, of course. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's great to be here.
1: Um, so so Rach, let's start with you. Um, one of the questions I have written down is um, how did you get started in sport and what keeps you going in these sports?
3: Um, I got started in sport as an adult. I I want to say an adult though like 25 right now doesn't they, <laughs> I mean I still feel 25 but um yeah I kind of quit all sports when I was a teenager and then at 25 was like not super happy with life and wanted to do something epic and my parents had run a marathon so I'm like oh, I'm gonna run a marathon uh and yeah i trained um for the berlin marathon ran berlin uh qualified for boston on my first marathon which was really a huge surprise and so i was like i guess i'm going to boston uh had a terrible race there because i was like super overtrained and had no idea what i was doing but uh the people that i had gotten into um running with were um We're also doing triathlon at the time, and one of my running mentors was like, "I think you could be an elite triathlete, Rach." And so I was like, "I'm going to be an elite triathlete. I've never done triathlon before, but that sounds like fun." Um, So yeah, so I just I did my first triathlon that was in 2006, and like never looked back. Took over my life.
1: And sport has kind of changed for you because as we were talking in the green room, you're now adding gravel cycling to your list of sports that you're participating in. Correct.
3: Yeah, so I, um I raced my first gravel race somewhere around 2013 or 14. So I got into it pretty early on, but I didn't do any of the majors until this year, when um I was accepted into the lifetime Grand Prix, uh, which is a um, elite race series um, that started this year, and it's been an incredible experience. I raced mountain bikes this year. I've never like, I don't ride mountain bikes. I had never ridden a mountain bike really before this year. So that was exciting. Um, And uh, yeah, so I've really kind of transitioned into like going from short course to then like half distance to then Ironman. And now I'm back doing shorter 70.3 races and all of this gravel stuff.
1: It's awesome. It goes to the idea that, you know, we're endurance athletes. We're not runners. We're not cyclists. We're not Ironman. We're we're endurance athletes. Sandy, yeah. give us a little, um, history of, of how you got involved in, in this sports.
2: Um, I grew up playing soccer, basketball, um, a lot just with the neighborhood kids. That's what we did, like, all day long when we weren't in school. Um, and then I played basketball up until my second year of college. And then um, it's kind of a weird story, but one day, like on summer vacation, I just, um, woke up late, my alarm didn't go off. And I happened to turn on the radio instead of uh, turning on my normal Blink-182 CD. And I heard these guys talking about this Arctic expedition in like Baffin Island. And they were looking for youth ambassadors to go with them. Um, and the applications I found out later had already closed, but I applied anyway. So I applied to this youth trekking expedition 10 days in Baffin Island and I ended up getting accepted. And all the guides for this expedition were these crazy ultra runners who ran 100 plus miles. One guy, Ray Zahab, he's the founder, he ran across the entire Sahara Desert. Um, And so as soon as I heard them telling their stories, I was completely hooked. And so then I came back to Ohio and I quit my college basketball team and I got into ultra running.
1: And so from, from distance perspectives, how far are you racing these days? What's
2: the distance? Yeah, it's kind of funny. I started off running 100 mile, milers just because, like, the people on the expedition, like, they said they did 100. They never talked about 50Ks or 50 milers. So that never even crossed my mind. Um, but then I later learned, like, oh, I could actually run shorter than 100 miles. And so lately I really like the 50K and 50-mile distance. I'll definitely do 100 again, but maybe... Yeah in a couple of years from now when I feel ready again
1: that's I literally just pressed the registration button on my first hundred miler in four years it kind of just you know life gets in the way and you do things and then I was like you know what I really want to race UTMB and so Mm -hmm. in order to do that I've got to do all of these other races to get there and so I finally pressed the button so I'm sure you'll find your way back into the hundred mile distance as well
2: yeah exactly but I think it's smart you took a break and like you know like Yeah, if you don't really want it, like, it's not, like, don't do it.
1: Yeah. Well, that's a, so that's a great segue. So let's, you know, advice to beginners, because when I tell them, right, guys, if it doesn't light your heart on fire, don't do it. It's okay to not race in a particular distance or a particular event if it doesn't set your heart on fire. Um, So Sandy, what advice do you give to beginners that you were taught and you still practice today and still lean on?
2: Well, I'm all for your advice. Like that's, as a coach, that's something I always say to people, like don't let others influence you. Like you have to think about what you really want to do and following on that trend. Um, even if, whether you're a beginner or you're a serious athlete, I'm very big on keeping people happy and enjoying the process, no matter what, even like changing your mindset to enjoy speed workouts or long runs. And even like those slow, easy days, like no matter what, like, Not every day is going to be perfect, but you should be enjoying the process overall. And if you do that, you'll stay in the sport for a long time. Like I've been ultra running for, I don't know, like 12 years now, and I still love it probably even more than when I started. It's really because in the past, probably mainly like the past few years, like I've really focused on joy more than anything else.
1: That's awesome. And Reese, what about you?
3: Yeah, I mean, I would say the same. It's, you know, it's like when I got into the sport, I I always say, I can't believe that I found a job that doesn't feel like work, you know, like, I love every single day, it doesn't mean that like, I am like crazy happy. And like, in the middle of every workout, don't want to say like, why, what, what, I was in the pool this morning, I was like, why am I doing this? Like, (laughs) when's this gonna be over? Um, But I love the process. And I love racing. And and it's something that you know I yeah yeah I just didn't realize like this was even possible to feel this way and so I really encourage folks to like yeah follow their heart like follow do so and especially in triathlon there's this big push like everyone's like Iron Man Iron Man Iron Man and like Iron Man's not really that like big of a deal like you don't need to feel like that is your goal because it's hard to train for that like people have like wrecked careers and marriages training for (laughs) Ironman like I'm sure it's the same for training for 100 milers like it's a lot of time um and so the biggest key I think for beginners especially is to have have the consistency like just try and get some consistency in, and that's only gonna happen if you actually enjoy what you are doing. And there are so many different options for endurance sport, like so many different things that you can do, whether it's endurance, like you don't even have to do all three sports, like there's endurance swimming, there's like endurance ride, like bike cycling. uh, Like, uh, And to be honest, like now I've also changed my training, to be, especially my cycling training is so much now on gravel roads and on the gravel bike, because I love the gravel bike. Uh, After 11, 12 years on the TT bike, I'm like, I want something a little bit different. Uh, And the, you know, being on gravel roads is a lot safer than being on uh, highways and things on the bike. So I've really changed my modalities of training as well.
1: So, so does that mean that eventually you'll change and become one of us ultra runners as well, fifty hundred mile runs? Oh my
3: goodness, my I have dreams of like hallucinating in the woods on the trails. Like <laughs> this is literally my dream. So I don't, I keep saying this. I don't know when it's gonna happen. I have to make it happen because yeah, it is my dream to be like out in the middle of nowhere on the trails, totally suffering like hours and hours and hours in. I dream
1: oh. of it. tell Rach what you doing here this upcoming week. <laughs> oh, we can't hear you.
0: I'm gonna race the Moab 240 in a couple days.
3: <laughs> oh my goodness. Wow.
0: Yeah. So basically that hallucinating <laughs> in the world.
3: <laughs> what a beautiful
2: yeah. place to do that kind of effort. I love Moab.
0: Beautiful place.
2: It is. So
1: that, that leads to the question right for and we'll start reach with you like What's the natural progression for an athlete, do you think? Is it always about going further? Or is it about finding what the next thing that excites you? And maybe that next thing is continuing in what you're doing. Is there is there an opportunity for people to be like, yeah, I'd love to go race a 100-miler and then um, and do a 240 and, and then maybe stage racing? Is there a path for people? Or is it just keep doing what you love?
3: It's just keep doing what you love. Like... You know, I would say, sure, if you want to event, if you want to race Ironman, if you want to race a hundred miles, like it's probably a good idea to start off with the shorter distances just to like get the kinks out and see what it feels like even just to do some do a multi sport activity. Um, but there's no cookie cutter way to do this, like what the, the biggest thing is to like be fit and have fun. Uh, and so it's whatever. You know whatever that looks like for you if it looks like one year you're going to race a triathlon the next year you're gonna go off and into the woods and race ultras like or and then the next year maybe you're gonna like go swim around an island i don't know <laughs> like it doesn't matter like do whatever you want and maybe the year after that you're just gonna like play basketball <laughs> like
1: right yeah i appreciate that because i i re- your words have res- resonated with me about swimming and thinking like, why am I here? And I raced Ironman distance events for eight years. And almost every time in the water was like, why am I doing this? And just about two or three weeks ago, I thought to myself, I really wanna swim a 5K. Like I wanna swim long. I have no idea why, but it was something that really, you know, got to me and something that inspired me to start doing the research and gotten to the point now where I'm actually gonna put on my own 5K swim race instead and just have you know, people join us out here. Um, so Sandy, over to you. So you started running Trails and Ultras 12 years ago. You were inspired by uh, a handful of people. Sport was one way over a decade ago. Sport is a different way today. Where do you see it today? And where do you see it going tomorrow? And I'm gonna put it in the context of women. Women being you know, in, included in the sports more so today, yes or no, and where do we go tomorrow?
2: That's a really good question. Um, Women's ultra running or just trail running in general has made fantastic gains since I started. Like when I started the mountain running team, it was six men and four women. And like just the lack of support um, at those events was just terrible for women. And people spoke up. And now the team's equal, and braces are giving equal prize money and, and, and all she running. And um, it's been a push, and this is something that can still be improved, is like the, there's better media coverage of women. Um, and so I do want to acknowledge that, because women have worked very hard for that. And both men and women speaking up made a huge difference. So always continue to um, speak up. Um, I think some people will look at it now and be like there's there's not much more to change um but there still is um for example i was at utmb this year just um supporting my partner and they i can't remember exactly what it was but i think they're gonna only cover like the top top five women but they're gonna cover the top 10 men um and like the percentages of women to men in the races is is so drastically different over there Like it's like 10% women maybe in UTMB. And so like the U.S. has made progress. We still have more to go, but I still think we need to spread that progress to other countries and continue to speak up over there. Um, And I still think some brands could do better. Um, And I want to shout out to Topo right now because I asked them specifically if you support men and women equally. And they said, yes, of course we do. And we will always do that. And so I just... I think like asking the companies you're buying from if they do that, uh, if they're always making sure an equal amount of money goes to the men and women on the team, like that's very important.
1: That's a great answer. And as we were talking in the green room, like Topo is one of our um, first supporters of our platform and um, could not be any more grateful for them to support not only us, but then getting you and Rach onto this conversation so that we can then show more support and keep rolling that ball downhill so that people can be more engaged and see and hear really more than anything else. Because the written word is one thing, right? Seeing somebody's Instagram posts or a blog post is one thing, but hearing from you and from Rach makes a big difference. So Rach, I'm gonna pose that question to you as a non-binary athlete. You're participating in multiple sports, gravel cycling, triathlon, uh, mountain biking where do you see sport today versus where you saw it when you raced the Berlin marathon at the age of 25 and where can we go? You know, where, where is it headed and where can we still go? And and for companies like ours, yes, we're a small media operation, but what can we do to continue to support you as a, as a non-binary athlete?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, in the past, like non-binary athletes, like weren't even on the radar and it's only been in the past couple of years where we see, you know, I think there has been a, like ultra running was one of the early adopters of adding in non-binary categories in some of their races, gravel cycling. I mean, this year racing is in the non-binary category and every single off-road race that I have done is, um, pretty much is, uh, it's been a really profound experience. in just like understanding, like, how easy it is for race organizers to do this. And if you build it, you they will come like at Unbound 200 or Unbound this year, Unbound 200, we had a full podium of non-binary athletes. And it was incredible. Triathlon, on the other hand, is very slow to adopt adding another category. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really understand what the like, why it has why it's not happening. Uh, you know in gravel racing it it's a, such a new sport that um, people are, can just like you, they've just been able to define what the races look like and and you know it's kind of really grassroots and coming from from the bottom up. and so there are really amazing communities who are putting on these races at a grassroots level. Triathlon is already a little bit more established and, you know, some of the bigger companies like uh, Ironman don't have great a great track record in terms of encouraging equality in in any of the genders Um, like, you know, we know that women have been fighting for um, for their place in the sport for a long time. and I, but I mean, I see it growing like here in BC, there is a um, race series, triathlon race series that two years ago added a non-binary category. Um, more and more it's happening. And I think what, um, what is super important is having, um, yeah, again, the um, companies supporting athletes, but I think what's really uh, important is the media telling the stories telling stories of athletes i think even in the world of ultra running like i've i'm not in the world of ultra running however when like it's kind of the creation of these superstars these folks who are doing incredible things i remember the first time someone told me about courtney DeWalter, walter and i was and now all of a sudden i'm following ultra racing and uh ultra running and so it's like things like that are happening in our sport um, in a bi- in the binary context. Um, but that visibility is huge. And I know, from the messages that I get, whenever, you know, from being out in the world of sport as a non binary triathlete, like there are athletes out there, it is like, if you build the space, non binary athletes will come and fill it. And probably there are already non binary athletes competing in these races in the binary. Um, and if you create the space for them to race in a category that affirms and validates their gender, you're going to see them uh, coming to that. So, yeah, I think visibility is huge. And however folks can amplify that visibility through the media and through different companies, um, uh, It's that's super key.
1: Awesome. So somebody did ask the question, and, I'm, and Rich, I want you to answer this, please. They said, "Pardon my ignorance, but what is non-binary?" So there's obviously a <laughs>
3: need, right? Yeah, that's a great idea. So non-binary. Um, as a non-binary person, I don't identify in within the binary gender. So I don't identify as a man or a woman. I identify as other, like in in between or. All through of the all the spectrum, um, non-binary folks have many like there are many different ways that people um, express themselves as non-binary athlete non-binary folks and identify in pronouns that they use. I use they them pronouns. Not every non-binary person uses they them pronouns. Um, yeah, so that's basically it. I just don't identify as within the gender binary
1: appreciate it. Hey, um, for those of you who are joining us or have been watching us for a little while, if you have questions, if you put them in the little question mark area, just tap that so we can see them. Otherwise, as people are coming and going, that question could be missed. So please put them in there for um, for reach and for Sandy. Sandy, I'll, I'll pose this question to you now. So um, there's a lot of things that we're all dealing with in the world today, right? All of this stuff. And so how do you get away from all of this stuff? and it can't be I'm gonna go for a run in the woods for an hour or two. What do you do as like a, a side hobby to enjoy yourself?
2: Oh, um, I think my it's gonna seem lame to some people, but I love reading. Um, I That's really like my time to chill. Um, and honestly, like I love camping and I love like just that time just like to stare and look at the mountains and that's always very rejuvenating to me. Um, I wish I did it more this summer, um, and still need to make more time for it. It's always a struggle to, to just slow down and just like appreciate living in Colorado and all the great views and taking more time to read. Um, but yeah, that, those are kind of my go-to things. And I like trying different sports too. Um, skiing and like rollerblading and I need to get a mountain bike again, um, had a mountain bike but don't have one anymore so I need to get a mountain bike again because that's fun so I yeah I just like trying new stuff and then chilling (laughs) whenever I can.
1: So when you're putting your race schedule together are you looking for events that are in locations that you're like I could sit on the balcony or the back porch and read a book and look overlook the mountains or is it I'm going to go race this event just because I want to race this event?
2: It depends um, but I will say I like races the most when it kind of feels like an adventure. So typically like that is more in the mountains or just really stunning places for me. So yeah, where I can just sit outside and be like, wow, this is really stunning here. I'm very motivated by, by beautiful places.
1: Rachel put the question to you. What do you do to get away from, from sport in the world for a little while? That's not sport related.
3: Yeah, I, um, I tend to nurture my friendships. Um, Outside of sport, I train alone a lot, um or maybe I have a, a training partner that I swim with often, but otherwise, like I train on my own quite a bit, and so otherwise, I'm like, yeah, hanging out with friends or uh the cat that I live with right now is a really awesome new friend that I have uh and um uh and you know watching shows i wish i could say reading but i don't, don't really i would love to read more uh but yeah usually it's netflix
1: there you go what so what are you watching on netflix right now
3: um right now on netflix i am watching pretty hard cases which i don't know it's a canadian show i i yeah i think it's a canadian show i don't know if it's on us netflix
1: Gotcha, Sandy, a, are you a, it's
3: like a comedy crime thing. Got it. Yeah, or I or I, I listen to I listen to a lot of podcasts, a lot of like true crime podcasts. Uh, yeah,
1: that 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 genre in and of itself has exploded since the whole oh, yeah. uh, one that came out years ago Adnan Syed and now he's, you know, new court case, I believe. And so I, I'm sure they're gonna continue to build on those. Sandy, are you a Netflix user?
2: Yes, I am.
1: <laughs> what are you watching now?
2: I never watch anything good. <laughs> it's all my like, guilty pleasures. Um, I don't remember what, it was, what it's called. Um, it's like a lawyer show. Oh, making partner or something. It, yes, not... I just
1: watched that myself.
2: Okay. <laughs>
1: I'm originally from New York. And so every time like I watch a show that's based in New York, I'm always correcting it. I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> Get from that part of New York City to this part of New York City in the blink of (laughs) an eye. Like, let's
3: make (laughs) that. You know, uh, I want to know what Sandy's reading right now. What are you reading right now?
2: What am I reading right now? I have like five different books right now that (laughs) I just, so actually, for the first time, this is like a very well known book that I've never read before, but I read The Alchemist. I just finished that, um, and that was pretty good. But, Rach, I wanted to say I liked your animal answer, because that's always... I should have said that. Like, I, I don't have any animals, but I have a lot of... Like, I know a lot of people have animals, so I just kind of, like, hang out with those people. One of my friends, um, she has a farm a little bit away from me, and she got a baby miniature donkey, and it is the cutest thing in the entire world. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's a miniature donkey, but then it's also still a baby, and it's just, like, this little cute, cuddly thing. And so... <laughs> I think I'm just going to like exchange farm work just to hang out with their animals. Whenever <laughs> <I want. laughs>
3: That's awesome.
1: That is fantastic. So, um, so Sandy, you know, you're an ultra runner and you talked about UTMB and, you know, when it comes to the hierarchy of races, prestige wise, UTMB is at the top. Western States is probably there as well. Is there an event that you haven't done that you really, really want to participate in? Yeah.
2: You know, I get asked this question a lot. I'm never really good at it. There's nothing that really oh, actually, I do have an answer. I would love to do hard rock one day. Um, I only live like a couple hours away now from hard rock, and but it, it's really hard to get into, and like I have to do like a hundred just to get into it. Yep. Um, but if you've never been to the San Juan Mountains, like it's really one in my opinion, it's the most beautiful mountain range in the entire United States at least. Um, so yeah. I would like to do
1: that one day. It is gorgeous. I had the um, pleasure of pacing URA uh, a couple of years ago at the URA 100, which is, like, just hard for heart's sake, not for nothing, right? Mm -hmm. It is really, really hard, but it gave me an appreciation for the athletes that are participating in hard rock and what they go through to, to get to that finish line. So, Rach, for you, is there an event that you have not participated in that you're like, I really would love to do that one day?
3: Yeah, I'm really intrigued by the extreme triathlons. So like Norseman, Swissman, Man, those races like over in Europe and South America. um, I, those are seriously on my bucket list. And, you know, right now at this point in my career, I am really choosing like locations and courses that I, that are interesting to me. I'm not really focusing on well, aside from some of the the p t o races that have happened that are happening, I'm choosing you know based on like places I want to go and things i want to see um like races I haven't done yet so uh yeah, the Norseman is definitely on the top of my bucket list right now so you you guys have
1: sponsors how does it work from the sponsorship level like are are companies asking you please look into this or are they telling you hey this is a race that we need you to do to represent our brand Rachel we'll start with you
3: um yeah i mean um i have gotten just a lot of incredible support from sponsors i haven't had you know i sponsors don't really dictate what races i need to do um i think i'm really lucky in that from what i have heard from other pro triathletes Uh, And so, you know, you know, especially Topo, I've been with them for several years now, and I think I was the first, the first athlete that they sponsored. And um, it's just the support, especially when, you know, as I came out as non binary as well has just been really incredible of just, you know, there was there was no negativity whatsoever. It was all um, just, you know, Rach, we just want you to be who you are in your authentic self, and it's been an incredible experience, and I feel so supported by the companies that I work with.
1: Sandy, how about you? Are you picking and choosing races on your own and saying, here's where I'll be, or they're, hey, we might want you to be at this event?
2: So I definitely have a similar answer where I do have a lot of flexibility, and um, that's Really important to me. I, I'm somebody who doesn't like sponsors telling me what to do. And so yeah. that freedom is extremely important. Um, but similar to um, triathlons, like all training, there are a lot of companies who want people to do certain races, um, especially like Western States and UTMB. Like those are being pushed hard from a lot of sponsors right now. So just because like I'm saying I'm not pushed, it doesn't mean that other athletes aren't right. pushing races.
1: What was your reaction when you found out that WTC slash Ironman was getting involved with UTMB and in, in the ultra trail running situation?
2: Oh, I'd be interested to hear your opinion too, since you do both. Um, I I think when I first hear about new things being introduced, I, I try to be very open. Um, and so I just, I'm kind of like, let's see how it goes. Let's see what happens. And to an extent, I'm still that way. I think you, we're starting to see both good and bad come out of it. Um, Like now it's extremely expensive and hard to get into UTMB. Like you have to be like a wealthy ultra runner to get into it now. And traditionally like ultra running was just like put on a pair of shoes and go run on trails. And it was a very, not to say like it still wasn't a couple hundred dollars to get into races, but like it was relatively cheaper than getting into UTMB and stuff now. So yeah, I, I I still think, kind of see how it goes, and that I will acknowledge when I when things might not be doing, or being, how do I want to say it? Things might not be great for the sport, or or acknowledge that like it, it can affect certain people in certain ways. But yeah, I would love to get your your perspective.
1: Mixed. It, it was really mixed because. Having raced Ironman for eight to 10 years, and then getting into ultra running for the last eight to 10 years, I've seen both sides of it. And you know what you're getting at an Ironman event. You know, it's very cut and dry. Here's how these things are going to take place. And that's somewhat reassuring and comforting for athletes to know this is how it's going to progress. The other part of it is the grassroots component of it all, similar to gravel cycling and mountain biking, feels like it's getting taken away. So, when I wanted to race um, and find a UTMB qualifier, a year ago, I could go race Black Canyon here in Arizona. And so, I went to the race website, and I was like, but this doesn't make sense. There's three events in North America now that you can race to be a part of UTMB points. And that just makes it even more difficult, to your point. And so, that side of it, I I really don't care for, right, because now I have to go I'm fortunate enough to live on this side of the country where I can get to California and the canyons or to Utah. But if you live in New York or Maine, what are you supposed to do at that point, right? How do you get anywhere for that? Um, Rach, I know you're you're looking at joining, and I'm going to put the pressure on you to join our hundred mile group at some point. You know, yes. it'll get you. but have you seen like large corporations? I know Lifetime is a big corporation with you know the the Lifetime series and and how they get involved in those things is, have you seen impacts, positive and negative, when bigger corporations get involved in these sports?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think anything that's going to decrease the accessibility of races is like super negative and like very contrary to like the, the, what is happening in the world right now. Um, And I think is really like companies who are doing that are really blind to, You know getting more folks to like their brand and come and do their races um with lifetime i mean lifetime is actually my experience um has been that they are doing an incredible job of um and are making a huge effort in terms of inclusion um and um of like people of color of people of different genders of um, folks who may not have the financial means to get into the races. Like there is a lot of support and, you know, they Lifetime reached out to me, like specifically, like they sent me a message and said, we would love you for you to come and race at our race, like big sugar last year. Um, And uh, as well as like so many other non-binary athletes, like they are really, actively participating and trying to make the sport more inclusive. So I have from lifetime specifically, I've, I, my experience has been incredibly positive. And I know the folks like I have spent the year at all of these races with the folks who are, um, uh, who are in this who are at the top of the food chain there. um And they are incredible humans. um And I think those relationships really matter. And so now I am like, a lifetime superfan, to be honest, like, <laughs> I am sold, like, I will go to any one of their races and race um, because of the work that they have been doing.
2: Yeah, I
1: teach marketing at the college level. And you know, that's, that is literally marketing right there, right? Reaching out, shaking hands, welcoming, listening to your audience and saying, Okay, here's what we're going to do to make it better for everybody in a way. Um, oh, I thought I saw a question uh, from the audience.
0: Yeah, and it looks like it's a question for both Sandy uh, and Rach. Um, so it's from Jack a. Brady, Jack a. Brady. At amateur, just for fun level and endurance events, I found a supportive atmosphere between all the competitors feels so special and consistent. Is that similar at the professional level races too?
1: Rach, we'll put that in your mm. office. Your-
3: yeah, I mean, um, my experience, you know, when I first started triathlon, I was a really competitive person. Uh, and, well, I mean, I'm still a very competitive person, but I, like, was coming into it in a in this place of my competitors are my enemies, like, I can't talk to them, or I can't be friendly, because that's going to show weakness, and blah, 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 and then I, you know, one uh, fellow pro in particular was just, like, super friendly and really welcoming, and I was like, oh, you know, this is like a lot more fun if I'm actually racing against my friends but versus like enemies. Um, and so my experience has been that the majority of the pro community um, are really supportive of each other. Of course, like, we're individual athletes, like we are not team players, we are right. all super competitive. And so there is that element. And I think there's that element, and I've heard this in other sports as well, that like, when you're on the playing field, like it's a different story versus like off the playing field. Um, It's not that you're going to be like mean to each other, but it's just a little bit more serious and focused and cutthroat versus like off the field. It's very supportive.
1: Sandy, your experience?
2: Okay, so I kind of got the question, but my phone like froze for like two seconds during the question. And so I'm not 100% positive what it is
0: um yeah so it was at amateur just for fun level and endurance events i found a supportive atmosphere between all the competitors feel so special and consistent is that similar at the professional level races too
2: okay so um i heard rage talk about used to being like super competitive and like against everybody and then becoming friends and like realizing like we're kind of like all in this together and like we make each other better so I 100% agree with that and that was like an attitude shift I had to have like the reason why I push myself so hard is because all these other women are lifting me up and like I couldn't be where I'm at without anybody else and so um, but I think you have to have that mindset going into it or else you're not going to experience it like I, I do think there's still people out there um, and I've heard this in interviews where it's like, you know, it's me against everyone else. And, you know, if that works for some people, great. But um, for me, like, it, I actually ran a lot worse <laughs> when I had that type of mindset. Um, I just think like I got too stressed out. And so, yeah, pretty much what Rach said. I
1: think in trail running, in trail running, you can run next to each other. Rage, like when you're swimming, In cycling, right, you can't draft unless it's draft legal. So the opportunity to sort of um, have a conversation and partner together really doesn't happen until the last components of the race. So does that kind of change the dynamic as well?
3: Yeah, I mean, um, I feel like especially with the longer endurance races like Ironman, Iron distance racing, you're mostly on your own. Like there's not a lot of running together. Um, I, you know, if I pass by fellow athletes or if they pass me, I will always say something like good job or nice work, whatever, something supportive, but there's not a whole lot of conversation going on. Um, and I think like I go into these races too, with the mindset of, especially for iron distance racing it's really like it's what i can do on the day and where i stack up between everybody else like where where has my training put me there's like not as much strategy and things like that there there can be at some of the larger races but really it's just like let's see where i stack up against everybody else and so um it, it does feel like I have felt myself, especially in the last couple of years with this transition of, you know, being like pissed off that somebody is like faster than I am uh, to really celebrating them and being like, wow, like this, look at what this person has done and how this person is like elevating the level of competition, they are so fast.
1: That's awesome. Do you think that the competitiveness is different also in the in female or for non binary athletes versus male athletes, where, where men are like, I, I just have to beat this person like I don't care. Maybe we'll have a beer afterwards, maybe we won't but I have to just beat them. Whereas, yeah. you know, for female and, and maybe for non binary, you'll have to educate us. That's a, it's a different thing in that scenario where, where maybe it's not as competitive and you're looking to help each other.
3: I mean I I think in the in like professional female racing what I am doing like it's really competitive. There are moments where people have helped each other out, but those are like pretty few and far between. However, racing in non-binary other other non-binary athletes for the first time this year, it really is um more it's less competitive and so uh, and it is way more just like celebrating each other and just the like novelty of all being in a race, like racing together, like having because a lot of us have maybe done races where we are the only non-binary competitor, and so being in a race where there are oh my goodness like other non-binary athletes is is mind blowing, and so it's more of you know I did go into for example Unbound 200 knowing that like oh there's like an athlete here another non-binary athlete like you. I'm going to have to like watch out for like they might be faster than I am because uh, I really like winning uh, but um... <laughs> no, <I'm not> gonna... <laughs> <laughs> um and so that was like my first foray into like oh non-binary competition and like and feeling like that it's a it's a competition versus like Um, but, but I think truly on and off the course for us, non-binary athlete, it is like, it's, it feels like family. It feels like this new family that I have because there are so few of us and we know just like what it kind of takes right now to be out and non-binary in the world of sport.
1: Cindy, you were shaking your head when, when Rach was talking about non-binary athletes supporting each other. Is that what you feel in the women? and, And do you think that that's different than men competing against each other?
2: I I actually think there's a lot of similarities between men and women ultra running. I think men might be like more open about talking smack about each other. Uh, (laughs) But besides that, at the end of the day um, or at the finish of an ultra, like people are going to sit around with each other and have a beer and just talk about their races, even if they were competing and pushing each other all day, like that just kind of our sport, like just wears you down so much that like we're going to get along at the end of the day and, and, talk and just yeah ha- sit around and have a beer
3: I think too that there is that level of um you know perception of like the smack talk with like the male field versus the female field like it's seen in a different way like for men to be smack talking each other it's like oh this is funny haha ha. but in the women's category it's like it's seen differently. It's like not as cool. It's not it's it's seen as like, Oh, what is this person's problem? Like?
1: Yep. And so, so I
3: think there's still that level of like, yeah, basic sexism really in in that.
1: I'm a huge fan of the WNBA and I follow WNBA. Nice. This sm- Yeah, season ticket holder, the Mercury. Oh, um, awesome. the, the, the smack talk on WNBA Twitter is awesome. like and 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 they're athletes right yes they're women but they are athletes and they're competing to win right their whole life is predicated on hoisting that trophy at the end they get paid for this and for people to look at it and be like oh they're women they shouldn't be talking like this and it's like no they're athletes let them talk let them compete and maybe they'll go have beer and, and dinner after a game sure but WNBA Twitter is my favorite. Like, you could tune in during the season, and it's awesome. It's one of the best things you could follow.
2: Oh, that's so good to you know. I love following the WNBA. I'm not on Twitter. Um, but now, like, you got me intrigued enough, or it's like, I might have to check that out. But I'm so jealous you're a season ticket holder of the Mercury. Like, it's uh, so
1: I'm jealous. Bad. Like, you know, it's interesting because the the – attendance is sparse, to me, it's sparse. Um, and then when they made the playoffs two years ago, it was packed. And mm. I was so hopeful, like, okay, maybe they'll keep coming back because the product is good. The women are fantastic basketball players. The game is better. They pass better. You know, they get more players involved. Um, and they score 100-plus points in games too. Clearly, I'm passionate about this because I, I just love the game of basketball in and of itself, but watching the WNBA, um, if I was to raise a child to play the sport, I would show them that game because it's passing, it's defense, it's a lot more than just dunking a basketball, not, not to take anything away from the NBA players by any means. They are phenomenal athletes, but um, it's just a totally different game, and I think it's more team involved um, in that scenario.
2: You're totally I could... spot on with that. I just think I like, could, WNBA could just be marketed a little bit better because, like, tickets are affordable, like, more yeah. than the NBA stuff. So, like, I think that if it just is marketed a little bit better, and we've seen, like, when it is marketed better when it – I think in, like, from 2008, 2019, all these TV channels started, like, showing WNBA more, and there was, like, a 64% increase in viewers just because, like, it was marketed a little bit more, and so – yeah, i could go on all day about that, but yeah, I appreciate it's the conversation. It's
1: what we in the media have to do for non-binary athletes and for females too, so that there can be equity in these sports and, and have people show up because of that, not go away from it because of that. And so our platform really is to help provide an opportunity for people to tell their stories, for women to tell their stories, for people of color, for LGBTQIA+, for physically talented, disabled athletes. If you're watching this and you fit into any one of those categories, please send your story to us. We will work with you on editing it, spelling, grammar, and we will promote it because we believe that there's a spot at the starting line for everybody. That is our vision and mission.
0: Hey everybody, co-owner Om Gandhi here and before we jump into the rapid fire section of this podcast, I wanted to give a shout out to our brand partners at SBR Sports. They're the ones who've been training, spending countless hours in the pool, on land and in the ocean to create products so you don't have to. And they've got tri-slide for your chafing, they've got tri-swim for when you get out of the water, they've got all the products you need. Check out some of their holiday packages. Go to sbrsportsinc.com, and don't forget to use code RTB22 for 20% off on any products that you buy on your first purchase. Now, back to the show.
1: And we want to make sure that we carry that through um, through all of our platforms, and, and so thank you both for joining us. I could talk to you guys all day, um, but it's been almost an hour, and so we kind of want to jump into the, the rapid-fire questions as we like to speak and wrap this up. Um. So it's National Pizza Month. Sandy, does pineapple belong on pizza? Yes or no?
2: I think so. I like pineapple nope.
1: pizza. You were a friend and we were cool with the WNBA until I <laughs> got to that. <laughs> <laughs> Rach, does pineapple belong on
3: pizza? Yes or no? I'm going with Sandy. Absolutely. Oh, I love you. pineapple on pizza. <laughs> You got I'm the sweet, sweet and salty is all the rage right now.
1: Guys, <laughs> all to New York, and we'll all go hang out. We'll all grab a slice, and you will not see pineapple anywhere—at least not. <laughs> Speaking of pizza, so there, there are three styles. I, I, only recognize one, which is New York. But there is Chicago and Detroit. So, Rach, how are you eating your pizza?
3: New York, Chicago, um, right? What, whatever is the is the is like the thickest, deepest
1: crust. Ay, 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 what's happening here? <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, Which first, way are you going? first, I want to ask what's Detroit style? I've never heard of Yeah,
1: about. so Detroit is a square pizza and it's uh, tons of cheese. The cheese melts up the side and creates the crust on the side of the pizza.
2: Okay, okay, I'll, I agree with you. Square. I'd go with New York, New York style and crust. <laughs>
1: Candy corn. Is it a real candy or is it just really earwax in the shape of a traffic cone?
3: Oh man, I love candy corn so much. It's probably oh. my second favorite candy in the world. <laughs> I love it.
1: Sandy,
2: a mix? I don't know. Just pure sugar to me. Start <laughs> <laughs> taking I mean, on trail runs.
1: If it's your second favorite, what's your first favorite, Rage?
3: Um, like the Swedish berries or Swedish fish, like or or like jujubes anything with that kind of like chewy consistency.
1: So, so chocolate isn't even in the conversation for you?
3: Well, that you know what, to be honest, like of all of the things, I eat chocolate every day, but I rarely get candy, like rarely, very, very rarely Halloween. That's pretty much it. When I get candy.
1: Sandy, what's your favorite candy?
2: I'm actually pretty similar um, where it's like, I I don't just go out and buy candy. Um, I will sometimes have chocolate. Um, Actually, I haven't got these in a long time, but Whole Foods makes gummy bears, like vegan gummy bears, and those are pretty good.
1: Yeah. Peeps, Sandy, are are Peeps a real candy or or not? Yeah, Rachel, like, Rachel, exactly, exactly.
2: (laughs) That's too much for me. I don't even like like I liked them when I was a kid, and now it's like I I don't see the appeal.
1: Rach, your your face gave it all away. Oh
3: no, they're disgusting, totally <laughs> disgusting.
1: We this is the 26th episode of these fireside chats, and I've heard more people say yes to peeps than not, and then even worse, they're like, let them go stale. I'm like, <laughs> Do you, do you enjoy eating doorstops? like why would you do that <laughs> no no so we're on the marshmallow so when you're when you're roasting marshmallows complete torch or just a light light toasting for your marshmallows rachel go with you first
3: i i like totally torch them totally torch eat the outside torch them again eat the outside outside oh. and then probably eat eat the rest that's I a love new... that you
2: said that. That's like my exact strategy. Yeah, <laughs> I right. Patience for like just like slowly turning no. the marshmallow around. It's like stick it no. the fire and I'll blow it out. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just learned something new. I didn't. I didn't know about the uh, torch and retorch method. That's something I'll have to practice <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> on Oreos. Are you the chocolate wafer or the cream uh, filling favorite, Sandy?
2: probably the cream
3: filling.
1: So are you a double stuffed person then?
3: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm in the same boat, totally.
1: So a little less, uh, clearly I'm a big food person. I just, I could talk about food all day. Um, But Sandy, you mentioned books. Rach, you mentioned don't read books, so that question's already out. But Rach, when you're running, do you listen to music, podcasts, or nothing at all and let nature take its course?
3: Um, most often I am listening to music I have a playlist that I just keep like adding things to and so I just really listen to the same things over and over and over again Um, if I sometimes during warm-up I will listen to a podcast but I can't listen to like words uh, when I'm like actually running Sandy how about you
2: I very very rarely listen to music as I'm running like I'll listen to it before Although I am thinking about experimenting with it um, just to see if it, like, gives you a boost, like, during a long run. Um, so I am open to it. I just, like, I do, like, silence and, like, nature around me. Like, I, well, I don't think I'd ever do it on a trail run, but maybe on road runs and speed workouts. I, maybe I'll test it out.
1: So favorite genre of music, then, would be?
2: Modern or, like, alternative rock, probably. I like hip-hop and stuff, too, but... If yes, me my favorite, it's probably
3: modern rock. And Rach, for you? Oh man, I mean, my playlist is like very eclectic. I feel like it's got anything from like Britney Spears to like weird electronic music to like Nine Inch Nails. To, yeah, it's all over the place.
1: That's awesome. Anything yeah. with
3: a good beat. I love dancing and so anything like with a good beat, I'm pretty much into.
1: Fantastic, okay, this will be our last one. Wrap it up here. Favorite movie. Rach?
3: Oh. Oh goodness. I'm a I'm a big movie fan. Um so it's really hard to narrow it down. Um, favorite.
1: Uh how about this? If it's on the TV, you're gonna stop and watch it.
3: Um you know, I have seen Dances with Wolves, like probably 5 million times.
1: <laughs> That's an odd choice.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I think it shows my, my age, too.
1: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm slightly older than you, but this movie is certainly not in my prime time. My favorite movie is Casablanca of all oh, okay.
3: time.
1: Yeah. I, I I was uh, attending college and I was inevitably hungover and the local um, school TV broadcast put Casa Blanca on as a marathon and because I was so hungover I couldn't I wasn't moving and I just watched it over and over and over again and it's now my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> Sandy how about
2: you? Uh, I have a very sophisticated answer of the movie Elf. <laughs> <it after> Times. <laughs> I've
1: <laughs> I love it. What's the What's the movie that is that everybody thinks is bad, but you will stop and watch no matter what? So it's not necessarily your favorite movie. Oh. So I'll it, tell you mine. Mine is, yeah. mine is Shooter with Mark Wahlberg. Like it is not a good movie at all, but TBS plays it constantly, and i I will watch it from beginning
2: to end
3: every single time. <laughs> This is a hard question. This is a hard. I feel like I have. I feel like I'm like. I know there is something, but I can't pinpoint it. If you pick any uh, more, Canada
0: says the room. The room is a uh, that. The room is a
1: good one. <laughs> we'll have to comment when we post the video. We'll give you. We'll let you off the hook for now. Thank <laughs> you both much for joining us topo thank you so much for getting this put together for us we really appreciate your support anytime you guys have anything that you want to talk about shoot me an email shoot Ome an email and let's get you back on and have another conversation because this has been a blast thank you so much
2: Ah, oh, thank you i really respect what you're doing and like with, with all these sports and like making sure it's diverse and like everybody is welcome thank you
3: thank you yeah i super appreciate the conversation it's been it's been a blast Awesome. Have
0: a great night. Thank you, guys. Thank you, too. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Cohen or Om Gandhi here. And I just wanted to say thanks for getting through this first edition of the Fireside Chat on podcast format. We're so happy to bring this to everybody on audio on the go, whether you're on the trail or on the car. And speaking of trails, if you're looking to hit those really difficult trails, especially in the winter, Shop Traction with our partners at Katua.com. They've got exospikes, microspikes, depending. They've got something for everything you need. Tested up in the Dolomite since way back when. And I'm excited to use their exospikes for the Everest Marathon. So definitely check them out. Their gear is tried and tested. So check them out at Katua.com.